I'm just going to tell you what happened. You hear about signs and wonders? Well, this one I'm just wondering. It's amazing. I came into the office uh, on uh, Thursday and I was sitting at my computer about 9.30 and uh, Val had gone off to do some shopping and get some supplies because we need my coffee. (laughs) And so we're basically alone in the building. Wendy wasn't in and uh, so I was alone in the building with Pastor Bob who was working away at his computer just making certain that uh, we knew when your birthday was and all that sort of thing. Charity was turned 21 yesterday, so uh, that was a, a magic night. Um, and uh, the bell rings, because uh, when there's not enough staff around, there's a little bell. And so I went downstairs to find out you know, who wanted to come upstairs sort of thing. And I, and I get downstairs, I can't see anybody, and there's two men from the post office next door to us, the Kelmscott uh, district mail centre, they look like management staff because they've got the, uh, the jumpers and the uniform on and uh, wearing ties and they say to me, this is what they say to me, the church is on fire. That's what they say to me. And I'm thinking, what's going on? Because I didn't hear the alarms go off. We've got a, an alarm in our building, which, you know, you smoke them before it will go off. <laughs> Um, and they said that we've rang the fire brigade, they're on their way, and your building's on fire. I'm saying, what, what, what? And so they said that, yeah, there was so much smoke uh, that we could not even see the building. And I'm thinking, what? I'm looking around, I can't see anything at all, and that there's fire on the roof. And I'm thinking... What is going on? Am I on candy camera and I'm being sent up here and stuff? The fire brigade roll in, you know, the big fire truck, the little one and stuff. The fireys jump out. They've got all their gear on, you know, with the hammer, with the hatchets and, you know, the breathing apparatus and stuff. And they're saying, where's the fire? And I'm thinking, oh, and stuff. And I'm just trying to, you know, what's going on? So the fire brigade, they want to then look through the building because there's been an alarm. So I take about 15 minutes to show them through the building. It's 2,500 square metres, so by the time you get through it all, you've, you've, you've done a bit and stuff. About 15 minutes, and we can't find fire anywhere. Cannot find any fire at all. So the best I can think of is that maybe the scrap metal yard next door, maybe they had, uh, you know, they are burning some tyres or something, so we went across there and nothing at all. Plus, if something had been burnt, you would actually expect to still smell it. Could not smell smoke, could not smell anything at all. Now, these two postal workers, two of them, they didn't look drunk, didn't look like they'd been eating marijuana cookies or anything like that. They are now going, but, 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 we saw a fire. Now, I do not know... What happened? I'm thinking that Pastor Bob and myself have just missed the visitation of God. <laughs> that we're so blind that we didn't see it. Now, I, I, there is no rational explanation for that. These were two normal, sane people. If there was just one, you might think schizophrenia or hallucination or whatever. Two, all the car park was full. Everybody else was looking at something in the play centre in the post office next door. And I just wonder, 
I don't know if it was a sign, but it's a wonder. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Who believes there is something called the glory of God? Who believes there's a spirit world that we don't often see? And why God would, sh- would just pull back the veil for a moment? But, you know, it is a time when, you know, it in- it's interesting in terms of the, our journey as a church is that when we sold the old property all those years ago and came across here, we took on an incredible step of faith to make a facility. This is, for a little church in Armadale, is an incredible facility. You know, it's, it's world class. We give God the praise for that. But for us to do it, it's been a big step of faith. And a lot of people have said, well, you know, it's not this, it's not that. But maybe, just maybe, God's in the house. Just, just maybe... God's glory is on this house. Just maybe God's actually really here to do something special. Now, there have been many prophecies spoken over the church. You know, the truth is, I see not with these. I see with this. I think that's the way default Christianity is meant to work, is that we walk by faith and not by sight. That Blessed are those who believe without seeing. So I actually do believe in the glory of God. I actually believe God's glory is upon his work and his blessings upon what he's doing. And I actually don't need to see it with that, to see it with this. you know. But Lord, open up the eyes of our heart, Lord, that we might see you high and lifted up. Now, I have no explanation. If you've got an explanation, if you're behind the building for smoke machine, can you please tell me? There's a couple of postal workers who I almost expected to see in church today because, I mean, if that doesn't get your attention, I don't know what will. <laughs> so... Hey, I'm, you know me, I'm not an evangelist, i tell you the truth. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. And we've got about 15 minutes to go. Uh, 15 minutes. So let's, let's, let's sort of come on. One of, uh, one of, the, uh, one of my favourite preachers in the Baptist churches here in West Australia is a guy by the name of uh, David Meachie, pastor of Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Great guy. David was doing a series and uh, he was one of these guys that loves creativity. And so he did one particular series based on Pink Floyd's wall. He got all those boxes together and graffiti all over it. And he thought that was sort of like the best sermon ever that he was ever going to preach. And some preachers, they need to be delivered from the idea that we just have to do it better. And so he thought, I'm going to do that better than that. So he preached a series on the armour of God, like I've recently completed here. And he wanted to throw all that creativity into the armour of God as well. So he thought that the most evil character that we could associate with, apart from the devil, is Darth Vader. Mr. Sniffy Nose. So this was his idea. He's going to do the armor of God. He's going to be Darth Vader. So he goes out and he finds a costume, a bit like what I did when I got dressed up in the Roman garb. And he got a really good costume, paid seventy bucks for it, fifty dollar deposit over the weekend and stuff. And it was a good costume. And um, as he was putting on, though, he found that he hadn't really thought about. But what do you do with the microphone when you're putting a full mask over yourself? So he noticed that in the mask was a little hole, which just perfectly fitted. The microphone. So he put the microphone in there, got all get, get, uh, dressed up. 
And he said that the breastplates like weighed about three kilograms, the gloves were so heavy and all the rest. So he begins to preach in his Darth Vader, Darth Vader costume and he thought to be more menacing, he'd walk around the congregation a bit. So he got down there and started to walk around and stuff. What he didn't realise was this. Do you know what the hole in the mask was for? It was for breathing. <laughs> and by sticking the microphone in the hole where he's meant to breathe, he, in effect, was actually cutting off his air supply. But this isn't known in the first minute. But by about five minutes into his presentation as Darvada, he is now beginning to actually hyperventilate. The sweat's now burst out into his face because now the um, the air can't discharge. So also what it's doing, it's fogging up on the inside. And so the little glass portals, little glasses that he was looking at, has all fogged out. So he's walking around like Darth Vader. People are thinking he's doing this really well, apart from the fact the microphone effect, instead of coming out as the deep, sinister voice of James Ray Earl, it was coming out like he had an asthma attack and he was wheezing. And so he's gathering around like this. He's now looking for the exit. He is dying. <laughs> he is suffocating. He can't find the exit. He's wandering around and he is just about to fall over and he passes out. <laughs> he almost died preaching a sermon as Darth Father. It says the worst thing is when Mount ba- Baptist Pleasant people, Mount Pleasant Baptist Pleasant people, when they ever think of the book of Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 in spiritual warfare, they do not think of the devil, they think of a stupid pastor who almost died in his Star Wars costume. So creative can kill you. Great story, great story. Tells it with... with um, so one of his famous scriptures now is when the psalmist says, those who sit at the gate mock me and I am the song of drunkards. <laughs> Um, a number of people have already uh, commented today that uh, a lot of what genuine Christianity can be understood as is in that beautiful story or challenging story that we read in Matthew 25 where it says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His throne in heavenly glory. And all the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Guys, I, I'm sound too loud for me, so I don't know what they sound like, so bring me down a little bit, it'd be great. He'll put the sheep on his right hand, the goats on the left hand, and the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Isn't an amazing thought? There's a kingdom that God's created for you and me before even time began. It's waiting for Isn't that amazing? And he goes on to say, For when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger, invite you in or needing clothes? And close you. And when did you see the sick? When did you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? And the king will reply, "I tell you the truth, 
Whatever you did for the least of these, say least, the least of these, my brothers, you did for me. And then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, for you are a curse into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. And they will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick in prison and did not help you? And he replied, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these, say least. Whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. When you did not do it for the least, you did not do it for me. And then you will go away to eternal punishment, uh, but the righteous to eternal life. Yeah, quite a challenging passage. And just in five minutes, I just want to unpack it just very little bit. First of all, the goats and the sheep are separated. To us as modernists today, we don't fully appreciate that because the bottom line is, in the ancient world, a sheep and a goat look the same. Today, they look different to us, don't you? If I was to show you a little picture, sheepy, meh, goat, meh, you could tell the difference. But in the ancient world, goats and sheep look predominantly the same. And so that's one of the things that we have to be aware of is just the fact you go to a church, just because you do religious things, it doesn't necessarily make you someone who's going to be standing in the right place at the end of time. So the surface is not sufficient. The fact you might look like a goat or a sheep, look the same, the surface isn't sufficient. What matters is your nature, and the nature then is proven by your acts. A sheep will do certain things that sheep do, goats do things that goats do. And so there's the rub. The king comes in disguise. People look for God in the wrong place. But God is found in the face of people that we do not see. Here's my big thought, the least of these. Who is the least of these for you? Not for the person next to you. Who are the invisible people in your life? Who's the least? The person that you don't see, the person's not on your radar. Because what the king will do, he will come in disguise as the person you don't recognize to see whether you are really centered on being kingdom focused, living out the kingdom. So the king will come and what he's, what's he saying is, I identify directly with the least in the world. That is so countercultural, guys. You know, what's the least of these? You know, is the least of these for you a homosexual? Is that the person that would never come onto your radar? Is that the person that you would say will never be the person that I could ever have contact with? I wonder what would happen to you if next Sunday a homosexual came to church and stood next to you and started to worship God. I wonder whether you were so focused on God in your relationship with him that it would actually wouldn't matter at all or whether you were so focused on the person next to you that you couldn't worship at all. Who's the least of these? Is it the disabled person? Is it the person like Jessica 
She's in church every, sun, every Sunday worshipping God. Do we discount her? She wanted to visit. Because Jessica just might be Jesus in disguise. Ooh. Or is this little, who do you have there on the front row? This is Gabby. Hi, Gabby. You're so cute. And maybe Gabby's the least of these today. Or is it the Aboriginal? Is it the person with a different coloured skin? Who's the least in the room today that no one sees? Because it just might be Jesus. Is it the person on the wheelchair? Is it the person who's so different to us? The Aboriginal, the whatever it might be. Because Jesus is just likely to come as someone that we don't recognise and say, I am hungry, I am thirsty, and I have need. And at that stage, we'll have the opportunity to show whether it's God in us or Mike in us. Incredible, isn't it? Absolutely incredible, the power of the kingdom. And what, what God says is he will actually judge the world on the basis of how you treat the least. The, one of the great problems is you'll never see God if you're looking down on people, you won't be able to look up to God. As you look down on the person around you, you're actually being judgmental. You're saying, God, I want to be the judge. I know right from wrong. When what God wants you to do is actually to love the person next to you, recognize in them that intrinsically they have the image of God within them. That might be a deformed image. It might be a broken image. It might be in some ways graffitied upon by the enemy and by history and whatever. But as you love them in the name of Jesus with a glass of water, you know, a dollar for a cheeseburger or whatever, you are actually being ministering to the King of Kings and the Lord of all. Wouldn't it be an incredible church if we found Jesus in each other and rather than in some mysticals, hey, I like fire on the roof. God, do it again. <laughs> oh, it'd be wonderful the fire brigade to come again. I love that. But the Bible teaches us that God is far more likely to come in disguise. I'm going to throw to a video now. And just to, This is a short message. <laughs> <coughs> named Grace, who was 100 years old when she died in January, and what she left behind is a secret and a joyful surprise. She was orphaned at age 12, taken in by family friends during the Depression, when she learned a lifelong lesson in frugality. Her adoptive family managed to pay her way through Lake Forest, and afterwards she took a job as a secretary at Abbott Laboratories. She never married, lived her whole life in this cottage, never had a car and used her savings to make a small investment in Abbott stock. Three $60 shares bought in 1935. But she always had fond memories of college, even attended events at Lake Forest. She was one of the most unassuming, friendly, gentle, lovely people you would ever want to meet. And no one at Lake Forest had a clue of the truth about Grace Groner and what she had in mind for them. Oh my God, I couldn't believe it. By the time of her death, those three shares bought at $60 each were now worth $7 million. She gave it all to Lake Forest for a foundation to allow students to study abroad. It's just giving hope 
to a lot of people and, and allowing people to, to dream a little bit bigger than maybe what they thought they could have. And by the way, the little home where she lived is now called Grace's Cottage and takes in scholarship students who may grow up to be secret millionaires, giving it all away, just like her. Hey. You know, and we've seen other movies that, you know, they did an episode on the secret millionaire where they had to go into another culture. But Jesus is doing that with my life all the time. And, you know, if I'm not careful, I say, look, I'd prefer to spend my time with this person, to invest in this person, because I perceive that they are valuable. But God actually wants me to be passionately committed to the homeless, to the disenfranchised, to those that have to the least. Who's the invisible person in your life? Who's the least for you? May God challenge us to find Jesus in the face of need. That's not to be overwhelmed, but it's to be used by God to be a blessing. You know, we can, um, today we can ponder and we can choose what we think about. Any day we wish, we can discipline ourselves to change. Any day we wish, we can open up the book, that will change our mind with new knowledge. Any day we wish, we can start a new activity. Any day we wish, we can start a new habit. Any day we wish, we can start the process of change in our life. We can do it today, or we can do it next week. We could do it next month, or we could do it next year. But we can also do nothing. We can pretend rather than perform, And if the idea of having to change makes us feel uncomfortable, we can choose to remain where we are. We can choose rest over work, entertainment over education, delusion over truth, and doubt over confidence. The choice is ours to make. And while we curse the effect, we continue to nourish the cause. Shakespeare uniquely observed, the fault is not in the stars, but in ourselves. We created our circumstances by our past choices. and We have both the ability and the responsibility to make better choices beginning today. We can control our attitude or our attitude will control us. Isn't that true? We can control attitude or our attitude will control us. Many years ago, this church had a, a senior associate pastor by the name of Ken Evans. Who can remember Pastor Ken? Yeah, a few of us can remember Pastor Ken. He actually came to church once deliberately dressed up as a bum. Oh, you let's say that in church? Um, what would we say? A hobo. A street person. And so for a whole week, he didn't shave. Uh, and then he put on this big old coat. Uh, an old World War II type coat and he did pick up the, the collar a bit and I think from memory put on a wig as well and he came to the church to see how the church would respond to him. He's a pastor in the house and no one spoke to him. That's bad, isn't it? That's really bad. Oh God, help us not be blind just because they look like they're the least because it just might be someone in disguise. I thought I wouldn't shave for a week, but my wife wouldn't let me. (laughs) Uh, Um, Stewards, are we in a position to give us some sort of a figure for one day? Dave, maybe you could just see how they're going.
Because I can preach for ages, you know that. That was a joke. <laughs> Very good. Eight hours a day. Five days a week. 52 weeks a year. 260 working days per annum. I cook. I build. I teach. I treat patients. To put food on the table. To pay the bills. To buy the kids clothes. To pay the mortgage. But today, this one day. I'm working for the sake of others. I'm impacting whole communities. I'm changing lives. One Day is about ordinary Australians giving one day's salary so that children in Vietnam can receive life-saving heart operations. Communities in Cambodia can have access to clean water. Christians in Southeast Asia can have access to Bibles. New churches can be planted in Mozambique. Leaders can be trained in Africa and so much more. 69 churches held one day last year. Over $450,000 was raised. Over 60 communities were impacted, benefiting over 12,000 people worldwide. With your church's partnership, imagine what we can do this year. Awesome. Yeah. Father, <clears throat> in a day when the world is very focused on what happened 10 years ago, and those two aeroplanes uh, ploughed into the World Trade Centre. And Lord, it set the world on a different course, Lord, the culture wars, the clash of faiths, and Lord, it was a time of great mourning. Uh, Lord, uh, we just ask, Lord, right now for the Muslims in our world. Lord, they, uh, they need you. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, uh, particularly for Jeff and Sirs, Dr. Valerie's actually in... Pakistan, Afghanistan now, Lord, visiting them as a, as a representative of this church to show, Lord, our tangible love and support, Lord. And Lord, they're going to be presented, Lord, T-shirts and AFL stuff, Lord, and some Vegemite, Lord, and they're going to, be, they're going to love that, dear God. But, Lord, I pray that we'll also uh, they'll just receive an embrace of love, Lord, from them. Lord, they've lived in the most dangerous part of the world for over, I think it's 15 years, 20 years now, Lord, and, Lord, you've protected them over and over again. Lord, I thank you for the prayers of your saints, dear God, that operate as a prayer shield around them and kept them safe. Lord, we thank you for Muslims all around the world that are coming to salvation. Thank you, Lord, that you are appearing to them in dreams and visions, dear God, that there's a supernatural taking place. Lord, we pray that, Lord, literally millions upon millions, Lord, of Muslims shall be saved in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, it's on the pulpit. Oh, there you go. You're praying all sorts of good things happen. Fantastic. Whoops. Can I turn around the other way? Oh, wow. Oh, that is absolutely outstanding. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, there's some promise comes in as well, but if you add it all up, it's just a little bit short of $6,000. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you. Thank you, guys. I'm proud of you. That is an amazing response. So, And, uh, you know, God just multiply it and multiply it and multiply it for your glory, Lord. A little dollar can do a hundred dollars of, of, of great power, Lord, in your kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.
So, are you ready to celebrate? Okay, we're going to sing Salvation is Here. Get the band up. So, Salvation is Here. It lives in me. Do you believe that? Jesus lives in you. Every answer that you have lives in you. Just before we do that, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, one of you might just bow your heads. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if you've never made it personal for you, I'm going to say the prayer right now. Dear Father, I thank you, Lord, that I've heard you call me by name. I ask you right now into my heart, forgive me of my sins, wash me clean by your blood. I accept your life within me. Change me from the inside out. Lord, make me born again. Lord, I will serve you as best as that you allow me to do in Jesus' name. Amen. While everybody's heads bowed, if you've prayed that prayer for the very first time, you just slip up your hand very quickly. Slip it up. Because I want to meet with you afterwards and give you a Bible and help you. If that's you, fine. That's fantastic. Okay. Salvation is here and he lives in you. Thank you, Jesus. What a wonderful offering. Thank you, Lord. God above with the world in motion. God above my hopes and fears. I don't care what the world throws at me.
Thank you. 